Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. Good morning, Hope Church. So good to see all of your faces here today. Um, I realize I love the internet because there are things that I remember from my childhood and I'm like, I don't have, I have no idea what that was, where I heard that, but you can go on Google now and you can just type it in and there it is. And I'm like, oh my gosh, here you are. So this week I was thinking about the story and I thought I would never find it, but I looked it up online and apparently it is called Peter and the Magic Thread or Peter and the Golden Thread. There's variations. Um, but I remember this story from when I was a kid about this boy, and he was maybe middle school, and he was so excited about all the things he wanted to do with his life. He had these big dreams, these big plans, and there was even this girl that that he kind of liked, and she liked him, and he thought, man, maybe one day, maybe one day we'll date. Maybe one day I could start a family. He had these beautiful ideas, but the problem was like many of you today in this room, he was stuck in school. He was stuck in the middle of things that he did not want to have to do. And when he would get home from school, he would have all these chores that his mom would make him do. And his dad and him would argue about things. And he just felt like he could never get to where he wanted to go. So one day when he's on his way to school, he's walking there, his head's down, and he walks past this mysterious old woman. There's always a mysterious old woman in all these stories. Um, So he sees her, and she notices that he is dejected, and she asks him what's wrong, and he explains to her what's going on. And she says, you know, I think I have something that might help you. And she pulls out from her shawl this this ball with a golden thread attached. And she says, listen, if you take this ball, and the next time you're in the middle of something that you're tired of waiting on, that you don't want to have to deal with, all you have to do is pull this golden thread, and time will speed up for you. You'll just be able to skip whatever it is you're going through that you don't like. So the, the boy is a little bit curious. He's, not, he's a little skeptical, but he takes, he takes this gift from the woman, and he kind of just runs off. And she tries to call it a warning after him, which I don't really remember what the warning is, and clearly neither did he, as we will find out. Because um, he takes that ball, and he, he goes to school that day, and then he's in the middle of, I don't know, let's say math, his least favorite subject. What's your least favorite subject? Math. See, we're... We're on the same page. Um, so he's sitting there, and he's so bored in this class, and then he finally thinks to himself, oh my gosh, I have, this, I have this ball. Let me see if this actually works. And sure enough, he takes it out, he pulls the string, and school's over. He skipped ahead of all the things he didn't want to have to do. And then he gets home, and his mom gives him more chores, and sure enough, he's like, all right, let's try this again, and it works. And so the boy is so excited, and so he keeps doing this more and more. He skips all the things, the arguments with his dad, the things he doesn't want to have to deal with. Um, And so before he knows that he's grown up, and he does, in fact, get to marry this girl, his high high school sweetheart, and things are going well. And for a while, he finds himself, he's not really using that thread too much. But then, inevitably things start happening. Another season of difficulty. He's got long hours of work that he doesn't want to have to deal with. Uh, He comes home and and he swore he would never argue with his own kids, but here he is having arguments with them sometimes, and he wants to skip all these things. And then eventually his wife gets sick, 
and he's struggling with that, and he can't handle the grief, and so he says he's just going to skip that part. And what he doesn't realize is that the ball, over time, has actually been picking up on the patterns of the things that he's skipping. So before he realizes it, the ball starts skipping things without him having to pull the thread. And so his life starts to speed up and go faster, and he's skipping more and more things until one day he wakes up, and he's an old man, and his wife has, has long passed, and his kids have moved away, and he's alone, and he now feels like this gift that was supposed to be so special was really a curse. And that's my message today. I just sit down now. It's such a sad story, but I think that boy represents so many of us, doesn't he? he? He represents the things that he wants to skip in his life are so often the things that, if we're honest, we kind of wish we could skip in our lives because it's human for us to want to have stability and safety and peace and joy. We want to we go for the, the comfortable things, right? We want to we wanna shoot for the things we can't fail at. We want to have the easy answers without having to wrestle with the questions. None of us wants what I would call the desert seasons in our lives, those harsh seasons, those difficult waiting times. And so we're starting on this series called The Desert, and I just want to kind of talk a little bit about what those desert seasons might look like for us. It could be for you a lengthy waiting period. You know, those times in our lives where we're waiting and we aren't even sure that we're going to get the thing that we really want and it feels like a desert. It could be an extended period of that wrestling or that doubt. It could be a specific time of like temptation or you're like, I don't know why I'm struggling with this, but I am, and I don't know what to do. A lot of times, it's like we talked about last week, it's in those transition times, almost like a trapeze, like you're letting go of one thing in your life and you're waiting to grab onto something else, but you feel like you're just floating in the air right now, and it feels like a wilderness, like a place where you don't know where you're going. It's those times you might feel that God is distant and you're calling out and you just don't hear him. Or it could be those times where you've failed or you've you've lost a relationship or something significant in your life that brought you comfort is gone. It may be an area where you have unanswered questions or unmet expectations. And why? Why is the wilderness so difficult? Well, there's a couple reasons. I think, first of all, we don't get to schedule a wilderness. We don't get to know how long it's going to last. And that is part of what makes it so difficult, right? If we could just say, Alexa, schedule my wilderness between April 24th and May 3rd, and then schedule my spa day for May 4th, that'd be great, right? We could just just schedule it. We could get it out of the way. We could control it. That's my my big thing. I wish I could control everything, but it's not a wilderness if we can control it. The second thing about the wilderness that is so difficult is that there's no easy exits. Man, we want there to be easy exits. And in fact, I think sometimes we pretend like there should be. We're like, just have a little more faith. You'll be fine. It just, we'll, we'll just get out of here quickly. But the problem is, often the things that we look to that we think are easy exits are really not. They're, they're distractions. It's those places that we go to numb or distract or keep ourselves busy so we don't have to think about the fact that we're in a wilderness. And what actually usually ends up happening is that when we try to find easy exits out of the wilderness, it usually prolongs the wilderness because it's, it's almost like, uh, I don't know, if, has anyone seen the show Parks and Rec? I love that show. Um, there's there's a uh, season in there, or uh, episode rather, where 
Tom Haverford is one of the, the members of the Parks and Rec staff, and the whole staff goes camping. And you've got like one schmuck who brings only a pillow with him. He has no idea what he's doing. He's never gone camping before. And then you've got Tom Haverford, who's the like, you know, high tech, super stylish, you know, whatever, like the most, the latest and greatest, that's Tom Haverford. So he comes camping and he brings his TV and he brings a slushy machine and he brings like the Roomba. I think he has his vacuum cleaner with him. It's like all the ridiculous stuff. And so basically he's glamping, right? He's glamour camping. It is not officially camping. And he's actually running the power for his, all his electronics. He's running it from someone's car battery. So at some point, obviously, the battery gives out and all his electronics shut down and then he's completely in the dark and there's not a way to leave. So this, I think, represents sometimes for us when we try to find these easy answers, when we try to find the like, we make the wilderness comfortable and we just pretend it's not happening, eventually we end up in the dark and we feel worse than we did before because those things that were bothering us are still there. We were just distracting ourselves from them. Uh, there's a woman named uh, Zim Flores, and she wrote a book called Dare to Bloom. And in this, she talks about Jonah at one point. And Jonah is, as if you may remember, the one that ends up in the belly of a fish. And if you want to talk about a wilderness, that does not sound like a great place to be. And he spends three days there. And during that time, God speaks to him, and he, he repents, and he kind of realizes where he's been wrong. And then God allows him to, again, the, the fish spits him out. But, but Zim Flores puts it this way. She says, we can't gut the fish. We, we, want to, we want to end up at the happy place in the story without having to go through that stinky fish moment. But she said that stinky fish is what is, is teaching us something. God is doing something powerful in the midst of those moments that look like mess, that look like disaster, that feel uncomfortable. And we can't gut the fish. We can't skip the wilderness because the wilderness is actually a really important place for us to be. And the truth is, and as Tom and I go through this series, each week we're going to be addressing a different lie, or we're going to call them mirages, things that we think we see in the wilderness that, um, that distract us, that deceive us. Um, and, the, and whenever we are in a wilderness, almost, almost without a doubt, you are going to be facing some kind of lie in that wilderness. And the first lie that I really want to talk about today that is so critical is this lie that, um, that good followers of God are not supposed to go through a wilderness, that good people are not supposed to go through a wilderness or a desert season. Um, I don't know how many of you may feel that way. I think sometimes the church kind of perpetuates this idea that we're just supposed to have it all together and we're supposed to look like we know what we're doing at all times. And the truth is that the wilderness is not only normal, but it is necessary. The wilderness is not only normal, but it is necessary. It is vital to what God wants to do and produce in our lives. Um, this is why it's so important, I think, Again, for me growing up in the church, there was a lot of times where I just felt like we are supposed to uh, put forward this, this idea that we, that we kind of have it all together. Or as a parent even, you might look at your kids and say, I have got to have it together for them. I'm supposed to know what I'm doing. I can't, I can't afford to go through a period of doubt or wrestling. Or you might think, you know, I can't be a productive follower of God. I can't, I can't um, do all the things that he has for me if I'm wandering around in the wilderness and I think we do this to other people sometimes without realizing it. You know, sometimes people, people come to us with their, with their wrestling, with their doubts, with their um, grief, 
and we want to we want to fix them. We, it's it's a mint out of a good heart, but we tend to say things that um, like platitudes. Well, don't worry, it's going to get better. God's got this. You're fine. It's gonna it's gonna be good. You'll see. Or sometimes even the way that we talk about our stories in the church. You know, so often we talk about our stories after we've gotten past the hard part. We say, oh, this is my testimony. Look, I went through all these horrible things, but now, hallelujah, I'm, I'm healed. I'm better. I'm, I don't doubt. I, I don't wrestle. And the problem is that so many of us are in a wilderness. We are stuck in the middle of that story. And we need permission to know that's not just normal, but it is necessary I think other times, um, if you're like me, if I feel like I'm in a wilderness season, and, and maybe, like, maybe like me during COVID, this was you, I definitely feel like that was a wilderness season for me. And I had a sense of panic. Like, I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to learn from this, from this season, but if I could just figure out what God's trying to teach me, I can get there, and I'll just I'll make it happen, and then we'll, we'll get out of the wilderness, and everything will be fine. And I think we treat sometimes a wilderness season like an escape room. Has anyone done an escape room? My friend Carly is hands down one of the best escape room people I know. She does uh, keys back here. And she actually created an escape room for one of our friends. So she's, she's like another level. Um, but if you've done an escape room, you know, like you get put in a room, locked in a room with you and maybe a few friends. And the whole idea is you're supposed to go around finding clues and, um, you know, lock combinations and keys. And you're finding all these things because eventually you're going to find the key or the passcode that will allow you to unlock the last door and you can get out of the room. And with, a, with an escape room, we go into it knowing there is a finite number of clues to find, right? There's, and once we can find all those, we can just get right out. And usually you're timed and you're trying to get out as fast as you can. And sometimes we can do that with wilderness seasons in our own lives. We can say, okay, God, uh, I'm just going to, um, okay, I'm going to find this thing and I'm going to do that thing and I'm going I'm to do it in record time because I'm sure that's what God wants for me. He doesn't want me to stay in this wilderness. And what we can do is we can almost end up circumventing the wilderness. We can, we can miss the thing that God is trying to teach us in the midst of adversity. Because God doesn't just want us to escape our wilderness. He wants to teach us how to thrive, how to survive in adversity. Romans 5, 3 through 5, talks about it this way. Not only so, but we also glory in our suffering. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This is so, it's so critical. I, in fact, I would encourage you and I would encourage myself to try to memorize this passage because there is something key here that, that we don't want to think of suffering as producing perseverance, but so often it is those difficult seasons that produce the perseverance, the character, and even the hope that we find in our lives. And we need to remember that because, again, I, I quoted her before, but Zim Flores in her book, Dare to Bloom, also says this. She says, we are always either walking towards a desert season currently wandering through one or walking out of the wilderness. And I hear that, and part of me thinks that's terrible. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to feel like I'm always walking in or out of a wilderness, right? That it can make us feel despondent, or it can give us incredible hope. Because when we start to expect the wilderness seasons, and when we start to notice that God is using those in our lives to produce something powerful, then we have a whole different spin, a whole different perspective on the wilderness seasons. Because the truth is 
that perseverance is not found on the mapped out path. And growth is not found in the comfortable seasons. And true hope is not found unless our lesser saviors are tested, right? Those things in our lives that we tend to lean on and we tend to rely on and we say we're trusting God, but, but it isn't until some of those other things are stripped from our lives that we realize how much we're relying on them. The wilderness is not only normal, but it's necessary. I want to show you for a minute this uh, symbol. Hopefully we can get on the screen in a second. Um, I don't know. So Irena Jansen was uh, the woman who did our Good Friday service, and I hope that you were able to watch that. I felt like it was absolutely incredible, and we should still have that online if you, if you missed it. But Irena has been a friend of mine for a while, and she has introduced me to many um, different ministries and organizations through the years, and one of those ministries is called Amani Yaju which means peace from above. And actually, Amani um, produces, they, cre they create uh, employment opportunities for women, especially in Africa. And these women, they create a whole community where they can come and not just work, but, but have community and thrive. It's really a holistic empowering of these women. And so they make items, like this skirt actually is Amani, and then they sell them here, and it allows these women to get an income. Uh, but I love what Amani stands for. This is the symbol that they have for their organization. And I want to read to you from their website what this symbol stands for. Um, so here's the quote. It says, Africa often communicates her wisdom through symbols. This African motif called nchimchim by the Adinkra of Ghana is literally translated as twists and turns. I have it on my, my mug, too, to remind me. Um, it symbolizes the winding path that life takes and how one must be versatile and resilient to succeed. This symbol has been embraced by the women of Amani, they are all too familiar with hardships and losses in life. But Amani provides a safe space where personhood and worth is regained, the will to pick up the pieces and begin living again revived. Passion returns. New skills prepare them for a new path. And life takes on meaning and purpose once again. I love that they, at this organization, are able to embrace the idea that their twists and turns are part of what brings about their resilience, are part of what brings about an opportunity for them to step into new passions and new purposes. And the irony is, the desert seasons in our life often help to refine us. They help us to let go of things that we need to let go of and move us closer to God. Often it appears to be a place of death, but it is a place that God is using to bring about life. It appears to bring a, be a place of hopelessness, but it is a place where God is actually producing hope. We need the wilderness seasons, not just personally, but as a church and as a nation. And again, as Tom mentioned already, we're praying for the family of Dante Wright. And I, I feel over and over that we are, we are being reminded more and more now that racial issues are, are not okay, that there is significant injustice in our world. And when we're aware of that, when we become aware and we want to move towards change, we can feel like we're in a wilderness season. We can say, okay, God, you're showing us something that isn't right and we want to do something about it, but we don't know where to go from here. And that is, is another wilderness that we find ourselves in. But it is in that wilderness that God shapes us, that he produces a path forward, that he says, okay, you're, you're realizing something that was wrong and you're allowing me to work in your life and change it. There are no easy answers. There's no easy paths. But we're confronted with the reality that things must change. And the truth is that nobody goes in the desert 
in search of water. Nobody, nobody goes into the desert or the wilderness to become unlost or unstuck, right? That sounds crazy. And yet we follow a God who made everything from nothing. And we follow a God who delights in creating a path through the sea, a path where we could not see one before, away in the wilderness. And I love that phrase. I love even that song that we sing that reminds us he's a way maker. And he doesn't need the way that we expect there to be. And it isn't sometimes until we're in the midst of the desert and we have to depend on him that he can show us this path forward. Isaiah 43, 18 through 21 puts it this way. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. And as a side note, I do believe that when God brings us through a wilderness, that when God leads us out of the wilderness, the only option we have is to praise the one who brought us there because it doesn't make sense any human way that God would produce what he can produce. I believe God delights in creating a way through the wilderness. And I believe that God wants to continue to refine and prune us through these wilderness seasons. You'll see this a lot in the Bible, this idea that God, um, sometimes it's, it's an analogy that seems painful to us. There's, there's an analogy of God refining us as though he's putting us in the fire of adversity to, to get rid of the things that don't need to be there. Or there's, there's the analogy of God pruning us like a gardener. And we're the branches and, and God's cutting back the branches not to destroy us, but to make us more fruitful. And those deserts can feel like that pruning season, but God is making us even more fruitful. So I don't know where you're at today. I don't know if you have come to believe the lie that it is not okay to be in the middle of a season of wrestling or doubt or confusion or uncertainty. It is simply not true. And it is okay if you need space to be there. You do not need to rush yourself out. And if we look at the Bible, we're going to see over and over, and some of these people we will share about the next several weeks, Tom and my, myself, We'll see so many people who went through a wilderness, whether figurative or literal. We have Abraham wandering around and, and waiting on the promise that God would give him, waiting for years. We have Naomi who was bereaved of her, her husband and her, her sons, and she felt for many, many years like God had abandoned her. Elijah fleeing from Jezebel, running away for his life, and then wandering through the wilderness, waiting on God. The Israelites wandering in the desert for 40 years. Even Jesus being tempted in the desert. The Bible is full of stories of people who went into the desert. Not because it was abnormal, not because it was wrong, because it was necessary. And God did not shame those people at all. In fact, I believe if you are in a wilderness season right now, the positive thing is that you're actually confronting the lie. You're confronting something right now that maybe you just didn't see before in the comfortable world, right? And so it's actually a very good thing. And in the end, that terrible story that I started with, it ends on a happy note. The boy actually gets a chance to redo. And he's able to find the woman again, and she resets, and he gets to start back as a middle school boy. And let me tell you, when he does, he's changed. And he, even though he's, you know, he does, still doesn't like his chores, he still doesn't like 
the things that he has to go through at school. But now he sees them for what they really are. He sees them for the beautiful parts of his life that he truly does not want to skip because he knows there is something powerful for him there. And I pray that during this series that all of us would find that, that all of us would find that there is hope in those desert seasons. God, thank you so much. Thank you um, for your patience with us. Thank you that even in those times where we feel dry and empty and we call out and we don't know where you are, that you are still there. And God, I pray for each person here that those that might feel guilty or, or abandoned or somehow shamed for, for being in the middle of these wilderness seasons, God, that you would relieve that from them and that they would trust that there is something, even if they can't see it right now, God, something powerful that you want to do in the midst of these seasons in our lives. How we ask that you'd show us more of yourself. Amen.